0: It is such a pleasure for me to be with you here this morning at Kirk in the Hills. Thank you for your welcome and your hospitality. I bring you greetings from the brothers and sisters in Christ from Columbia Theological Seminary in Atlanta. We are working hard every day to prepare leaders for the sake of the church and the world. And we welcome the partnership in the ministry of the gospel with you. I would like to tell you a tale of two tales, or a story of two stories. Here is tale number one. It is a story of God and creation and people. God created the world and declared it good. God created human beings and gave them bountiful gifts but human beings turned away from and rejected God. Yet God, in great mercy and love, pursued his people and offered them a fresh start through Jesus Christ. If you obey me and keep my commandments, I will reward you with eternal life, said God. Some of you will enjoy comfort and wealth in life. Others of you may suffer grievously. But for all of you, if you believe, you will be rewarded. The splendors of heaven are all yours. This is a tale of rewards. Here is tale number two. It is a story of God and creation and people. God created the world and declared it good. God created human beings and lavished them with with spirit and will and intellect and heart. People turned away from these gifts and squandered them and rebelled against God. Terrible suffering and violence and hunger and pain followed. Not willing to give up his handiwork, God came to human beings with gracious mercy, first in the covenant people, Israel, and then supremely in jesus christ and god promised his people that the pains and sorrows of the world will not win no the love and mercy of god will win and god said soon and very soon my purposes of healing and restoration will be fulfilled soon and very soon all that is wrong will be made right the broken and wounded earth will be healed the city of God will welcome all the peoples and the nations of the world in a great parade the lion will lie down with the lamb swords will become plowshares and shalom will cover heaven and earth. This is a tale of reversals. Tale number one and tale number two. The first is a tale of rewards. If you do this, you will get that. The second is a tale of reversals, a grand saga of God's plans for the healing of the world. And here is the stranger thing about these two stories. Both are attempts to tell the Christian story. Both claim that God created the world. Both center on Jesus Christ. Both declare God's promises for our future. Both clearly express the truth of the Christian gospel. Both the tale of rewards and the tale of reversals try to put into words what it means that God so loved the world. But do you get a sense of how different they are? So different that we may need to make a decision on which story tells the faith best. We need not completely reject one over the other. Both stories witness to the vast ocean of God's love. But surely we as Christians are always called to find the best words to say what we believe and express the most compelling vision of the Christian story and then bear witness to that in our lives. Now, the reason why I bring up these two tales, the one that centers on rewards, and the other that centers on reversals is because our text from Matthew this morning gives us an opportunity to reflect on which of these two tales is the most true to our faith. Our scripture reading this morning is the Beatitudes. This is a text that often falls on our ears with gentle familiarity. The Beatitudes, yep, we've got it. The meek will inherit the earth and all that. So here's a question. Are the Beatitudes a tale of rewards or a tale of reversals? For almost 2,000 years, they have been widely understood to be a tale of rewards. You know, a sort of pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by thing. Be meek and gentle and humble, and eventually, you will be rewarded in heaven. This is not an unreasonable understanding. The Bible does speak of rewards. Think of Proverbs. A wicked man earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. In fact, did you notice that our text mentions reward in the last verse? Yes, there is language of reward in scripture. So it is not surprising that we have widely heard the tale of rewards in hymns and prayers and sermons on the Beatitudes. But what if we want to use the best words and tell the truest story about God and creation and people? The beatitudes give us a chance to think again they call us back take another look they say there is a better story here there is a stranger story here look again in recent decades biblical scholars have been saying about the beatitudes well Actually, this is not a tale of rewards. If you do such and such, you will get a reward. No, this is a tale of reversals. God is on the move and promises a complete restoration of all that is wrong. Reversals, not rewards. And what a difference it makes hearing the Beatitudes as a tale of reversals instead of a tale of rewards turns this text from from sentimental to stunning from from cozy to compelling. This shift reveals the full beauty and power of the gospel. So what might this look like, this deeper understanding of the Beatitudes? Biblical scholars suggest that words like poor, and meek, and hungry, sometimes these words in Greek have layers of meaning that don't show up very well in English. Sometimes these layers of meaning point to a different way of understanding. It is safe to say that over the last 20 years or so, more and more New Testament scholars are pointing us to understand the Beatitudes as a tale of reversals. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that our English translations are wrong. I am saying that How we hear these words and what we think they mean is often too thin. So I am inviting us to open our ears and hear how these familiar words, strange and wild, might be a tale of reversals. Consider. The first beatitude is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sounds like a simple reward, doesn't it? But a fresh reading would go something like this. Blessed are the ones who are crushed in spirit, for the kingdom of God is for them. Here is a story of dramatic reversal. Those who are utterly crushed and defeated are included in the plans of God. The second beatitude is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. A new understanding might be, blessed are those who are in despair, for their despair will not go unheard the third beatitude is blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth consider this blessed are those who are marginalized or forgotten for they will be fully included in the new heavens and the new earth Let me go on. The fourth beatitude is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Biblical scholar Dale Bruner suggests this wording, Blessed are those who are starved for justice, for they will be filled. The fifth beatitude is, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Hear it this way. Blessed are those who step in to reconcile, for they will be servants of God's reconciliation. The sixth beatitude is, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Consider this. Blessed are those who reach out with commitment, for they are participating in God's purposes. Three to go. The seventh beatitude is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Or this as a tale of reversal. Blessed are those who engage in the struggle for peace for they are on God's side. The eighth beatitude is Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In God's great plan of reversal, this beatitude can be understood as Blessed are those who work for justice in spite of everything, for they are living the kingdom of God. And then there is a ninth and final beatitude which really summarizes everything and makes perfectly clear that those who are committed to God's great reversal will incur the wrath of the world. It is a sober reminder that the world seems to prefer structures of oppression than the reversals of shalom. This ninth beatitude, with the lens of reversal, proclaims this. Blessed are you when people resist your commitments to the kingdom of God and slander you with lies. Blessed are you because This kind of treatment indicates that you are with God in your work. This is what happened to the prophets of old, and this is what you should expect. But do not lose heart, because God will endorse you and support you and bring you in to the new heavens and the new earth, where the peace and justice you worked so hard for will be on full display. I trust it is clear to you that I am convinced that the tale of reversals is the one that captures the beauty and the power of the gospel. The tale of rewards is too small too predictable, too prone to self-serving deceptions. It suggests that we can do it if we just try hard enough, and then when we do try hard enough, God will reward us. But that's not actually the gospel, is it? We were blind and now we see. We were lost, and now we are found. We were dead, and now we live. These are all great reversals. But here is the painful reality that we live with each and every day. The dramatic reversals that God is planning and putting into place, let's face it, they are often hard to see. The fact is that the big reversals in God's mysterious wisdom and in God's inscrutable timing seem delayed, painfully delayed. We are acutely aware of this. We believe that the triune God is up to big cosmic reversals, but we go out and we see the same brokenness, the same infuriating injustice, the same terrible tragedies. So where are these reversals? Well. Some of them are happening in small, patient ways in ministries here at Kirk-in-the-Hills. The ministries of this congregation invite people to participate in God's great reversals. Your remarkable tutoring ministry, for example, has been going on for more than 20 years Your presence in loving ways in local elementary schools through your Accent Pontiac ministry is another example. You do these things not so that you will get a reward, but so that you can participate in God's great saga of healing and restoration. We wish... God's reversals would be faster. We wish our efforts would be more effective. We wish that the forces of greed and cruelty and deceit were not so stubborn. But this is the call that has been placed on us by the God of grace and glory. We are called to participate in God's great reversals. Imagine that. We are called to be living, breathing actors in God's great saga of restoration. Friends, this is the greatest story ever told. Amen.